Well, hello, everyone. Uh, what an intro. I'm so excited uh, to be here today with Sarah Evans, the founder and CEO of Seven Strategy. Uh, welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. That was um, the best intro I've seen for a, a live show yet. So kudos to your team. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Ryan, another shout out. Yeah, Ryan's our producer, and he's the real deal. I think every time he amazes me with the way he sets it up. And obviously, Ashton uh, plays a big part of this, too. They're kind of the behind-the-scenes heroes. But um, thanks for being here today. What a crazy time to discuss PR, right? Um, yes, and as you saw pre-show, you know, working <laughs> from home during COVID with a four-year-old who was throwing a temper tantrum, also exciting. <laughs> we we call those moments of self-expression, right? Like those are these, uh, let me see, I have a year and a half year old and a four and a half month year old. So we have a very uh, moving and grooving start type of household right now. So yeah, very good. It's actually acting out how I feel. So <laughs> exactly. Like they're just a little bit more like free flowing than we are. They haven't learned as much constraint. I think probably we'd all like to do that though. But um, one of the things I want to talk to you today about, and I think we could dump, dive right in, is so many of us, I think, in the performance marketing SEO space are seeing a lot of what we used to do with like guest posting and link building not work like it used to. What do you think we should be focused on, in your opinion, now in 2020 for trying to get our brand out there? Like, it used to be guest posts, right? We just like get that going, start guest posting everywhere. And I don't really see that as being as effective as it used to be, at least for me personally. What, what should we do different? So it's a it's a really big loaded question, Garrett, and I'll try to uh, tackle that as best I can. When we're looking at the digital PR landscape, some of the same things still resonate, some what's old is new again, and some are new things. Let me talk about the, the kind of the big scope from PR. Um, one of the most important things, just from a metric standpoint, is people tend to focus on the wrong metrics. And if we look at it in one term, it would be impact. So what can you do that brings the most impact to your brand? For example, I was talking to uh, Lee Fatsinger this morning, the founder of Turbine Labs and their AI-powered listening platform. And he was actually talking about this very point. And he said, um, you could be mentioned uh, in a feature article on the wallstreetjournal.com front page, it's a negative article, it's shared thousands of times, and that's hugely negatively going to impact your brand. You could also have a somewhat obscure or negative message on a low ranking authority blog, fifth paragraph down. And in the past, brands were dedicating the same amount of um, traction to both of those things when really they have completely different impacts. So that's number one. Before you even get to what tactics are we going to use, is think about what kind of impact do we want to have, do we want to make um, from a positive perspective. Yeah. And then you can look at all of the things that help to drive that, whether it's a podcast tour, mentions in um, newsletter blasts of highly authoritative journalists who have left their uh, traditional jobs and gone into the newsletter business. Yeah. Is guest posting still an option and link building that sort of thing? It just depends because is where you're posting impactful or are you paying to play on a bunch of low ranking authority places that aren't going to matter in the long run? And I hope that wasn't too much of a talk around. No, no, that. No. I think it's great. I think, you know, you use the word impact and I think, you know, I love PR. I love the idea of it. Like I love doing the shows. I love doing all these things. I'm really passionate about it, but impact's the hardest part of PR, right? Because like, I think in our guts, we all know 
we got to get our brands out there, whether we're a SaaS marketer, an agency, our own thing, e-commerce, whatever it is. We want people to know us. There's this feeling of wanting to be known, right? Like that's kind of like social media in its sense. And we want our brands to be known, but it's hard to understand how known we are. Like where are we starting and is that good or bad? Like how, how can we think about measuring like our brand's authority and things like that? What's some good ways to think about that? Okay, the brutal fact of this answer is that it depends on your budget and, and what you have. It's really hard for startups to afford enterprise level listening software that will give you, you know, AI powered intelligence to make a decision in four minutes or less. Most businesses have some hacked together method of people, processes, and platforms. Uh, they might have, you know, a Meltwater subscription um, and LexisNexis, or, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll cobble together, yeah. together different pieces and create some sort of intelligence process to get a better understanding. Um, executives might be just doing a Google search in the beginning of the day, like, what are my competitors doing? What happened on that last call or announcement that the, the media is talking about? So they kind of have to cobble together something that works to get a lay of the land, or you can hire a PR agency that has the metrics built in as part of your retainer and they can monitor for you. But that question is so big because it comes down to budget and also how much you actually need, how much intelligence is really going to impact you where you're at right now. If you're a startup versus a small biz versus, you know, multi-billion dollar business. Okay, well then let's get, let's get more specific. So let's say we have a big budget. Mm -hmm. We want to go on, on, on PR. What do you put as your North Star metric where is like indicative, right? Like, so for me, let's say in performance marketing, I might make it as discoverability. So if I look across the queries when there's purchase intent for your product, I want to make sure that you're on the review sites, you're on Google ads, you're ranking organically, the review site, like news sites are mentioning you, you've got display ads, like you're fully discoverable. Now in the PR space, what is like that North Star metric, that ultimate pinnacle? Are we looking at brand impressions? Are we looking at brand recall? Like, What do we want to be thinking about in a perfect world? So the type of digital PR I do, are it's moments in time PR. So people have to have a major thing that they're doing, um, a funding announcement, a new acquisition, a launch, you know, something where that it's, it's a major moment in time. And we'll look at that, what the impact is and how did that resonate as part of our strategy. And usually when I, I come in for that, there's a strategic side of that. Do we have our key messages, our key messaging guide? Do, do we have our spokespeople trained on those key messages and are they ready to deliver? And then what's the scope of what we want for that? Many times brands will say we want tier one, of course, which is a million plus you know, you've monthly impressions or tier two brands. What do those look like? Look like who are the reporters you wish would be talking about you? What communities do you wish would be talking about you? And pulling that together in a specific scope plan. So every client is completely different, which is why I'm not pulling out yeah. you know, just um, yeah. key things because it depends again, different size business, brand recognition, visibility on what is appropriate, what the scope of the story is. If you have $120 million you know, series A announcement, you are going to get a ton of tech press um, and yeah. start press. And well, there's the, yeah. there's my oldest jumping in. Uh, so you're, you're going to have, you know, great visibility versus we just launched and we're a startup and we have no recognition. No, I get exactly what you're saying. Now, after much negotiation, you managed to avoid the sour candy. Now I wasn't so good at negotiating with the producers. So each of you, I know I need to eat my candy and then like I my day's ruined by the way like I'm all on like your anti-sour trick like I oh, here we go. I could get a lemon. Should I have gotten a lemon? 
next time. But I love that. Lemon, all organic. I got a lemon right over here. Oh my God. This is Check so my grade, see who I'm voting for. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So one of the things you said there was funding. Yeah. And you know, this is sour and sass. And I found that SaaS companies love to talk about themselves in a way that has nothing to do with their product or their customers. So how, what can we do in SaaS as a moment in time, right? Cause you're talking about moments in time. Yes. Oh, I love this question. And the big thing's funding, but give me some other moments that we should be making a bigger deal out of that we're not okay, besides that. Like, hey, we got a bunch of debt, you know, like other than that, like, what are some things we can be doing? So you can look at, I have a, a document that I usually give to my clients and it's um, yep. a list of newsworthy moments to help educate them, not become PR practitioners, but to be able to work with me and say, okay, we've identified something. Because what happens is 80% of the time, companies will come to me and say, hey, can we pitch this to the media? And it's, no, we can't. It's, it's just not going to resonate, but they're trying. That just tells yep. me they're looking for stories. That's great. I want to reward that. So let's, let's formalize that. But one of the secret plays here, one of the things that works really well is not thinking of yourself in a silo, but how can you package your SaaS together maybe with other SaaS brands and create a tech stack that helps people work better? As a PR practitioner, I'm looking for ways I can use tools, create case studies and show other PR people how they can generate publicity, awareness, impressions, impact using that, that tech stack. So I will look for ways to show it in practice. So not just a case study, but it might be an animated GIF and assets saying, here's how we use, um, Thanks, bud. Uh, here's how we use this project and we generated additional results because of it. So if you can show that kind of traction and maybe hit trade publications with that as a place to start or get influential people um, in your space to share that news and information, that's awesome. I love that. Now, what I've seen sometimes in these SaaS brands that are doing this really well is there's like two ways it goes and it's kind of hard, right? The one way I see a lot of SaaS founders trying to gain traction for their brands is they share their success in the guise of transparency. And I think it's kind of the biggest hoopla in the world where it's like people are just really sharing revenue numbers, but they're acting like it's transparency. And I don't really know what the hell that's supposed to mean. So is there a way we can do it that isn't that like, do you know, like, like, what's a good way for us to share our like brand stories without yes. doing this, like Twitter transparency? I like telling people how much money I make, but it's not about me. Weird it's thing. It's really like. become about bragging. We know it's not transparency. It's like, yeah, it's weird, right? Like, they probably had a crappy day and they're looking for a way to make themselves feel better. And they're like, I'll yeah. just share this. What I want to know is how did you get there? Give me one to three things I can replicate from this to get to where you're at. It's the same with back, I mean, even today, but you read blog articles, seven tips for this, 15 tips for this, and you learn nothing um, yeah. from it because there isn't anything practical you can take away. And I think that's what founders need to do is get more practical. Either help others in your industry by giving those, if you're going to brag about it, put it in context with something that's um, a trending story, a, a news opportunity. So if a journalist read it, they'd say, wow, that's, that's a headline. Um, that's a story that hasn't been covered before. If you're sharing something like everyone else to get the numbers, it's going to end up not standing out and do the complete opposite. I love that. So like, I want to share more. I want to be more active. I want to do that. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of people feel like me, right? Where for whatever reason, we just don't feel like 
what we'd say anyone cares about because we don't even necessarily find it that special. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you're doing your job and you know that part of the game of being a founder or being a marketer is you're supposed to share, but it feels so insignificant. What, what should, like, how do you coach and help up like people who are trying to grow their brands yes. to be consistent and like not feel like a narcissist. Cause I don't know, every time I try to do this, like I have my two minutes of SAS show and I'll go like 30 episodes and I feel like I became the world's greatest narcissist. So like, how can we avoid that perception of ourselves? Even if that's not how we feel about ourselves or it's just like this weird thing. Like how do we avoid that? I think um, part of it is I, I at least feel like I have the wherewithal to know people aren't actually trying to be narcissists, I, I truly believe that. I'm looking for my this piece I always share with brands because I deleted it off my desktop yesterday. Um, and it's about being a PR partner and newsworthiness, which applies to this. So while I'm looking for it, I can do some of them off the top of my head. But think about what's new, fest, new best, first, latest, or greatest. If you have anything that mm. falls in that category, that's super exciting. Um, data, facts, and stats. Anything you can package together to show trends, forecast, predict, um, or give insight to something is super powerful. Um, new hires, acquisitions, celebrating internal moments that could resonate well publicly to give people hope or inspire. And I, I also think there's a huge distinction, and it's something I really like to talk about, is the, the difference between inspirational and aspirational content. Many times the aspirational stuff, like that feels braggadocious or the influencers you might see on Instagram makes you feel bad about yourself. I don't have enough, I don't make enough, I don't drive a nice enough car, my, my shoes aren't nice enough. That's aspirational, it can tend to make people really, feel really bad. Inspirational are the things that obviously inspire and make people want to do better, maybe help them through their day. And I'd use that as a litmus. Um, before how do, we, how do we tell though? How do we tell if we're being aspirational or inspirational? Because I don't think people are actually paying attention. And I don't know if they're even trying to be one or the other. I think they're just doing the humble brag thing in the least humble yeah. way possible. A lot of times, like lessons learned, one to a million. And like, you know those blog posts that you see every day? Is there what's a way to do that with being inspirational like instead of aspirational? So you're gonna force me to think deeper about this and I'm gonna have to create I'm gonna create a side by side of inspirational versus aspirational because yeah, I always because generalize it and say it's what makes people feel really crummy about themselves. So if you think about if you're going to put a filter on it, that's probably aspirational. If you're going to throw out a big number, that's aspirational. If you're going to post a picture of your car for no other reason than to post your car, and that's correct, aspirational. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to post any anything that's uh, your your goods around you or big numbers or flashy statements, it probably falls under aspirational without context. If you raise a lot yeah. of money, yes, of course, you should celebrate and that's newsworthy, but then put it into context why that's important. How is that money being used? What's your future growth? Where did you start? What's your origin story? You know, there's a way to, to do more with that. I love that. Now, one of the concepts I've always had fun with, and I'd love to get your take on it, is if you look in something like the media world, barstool sports has been really effective in disrupting it yeah. by sharing behind the scenes. Essentially, they brought their company to life. I've been thinking a lot about how, how could software companies do something similar where, because like to me, a lot of people think of PR, I think so incorrectly around, it's about acquiring customers, but I actually think it's about acquiring talent. And I think one of the coolest things you can do is showcase what it's like to be a part of your organization 
is there something software companies can learn from Barstool in the sense of how they have opened up the kimono and kind of let people interact with it? Or is there something there that we could follow in the B2B world or is there nothing there? So I'll give you my, my honest reaction to that is you know, Barstool works because sports have fans. If your brand doesn't have rabid fans where they don't care, if you don't have a celebrity athlete that people want to follow, no, unless you're willing to invest in your own reality show. <laughs> okay. People will watch so reality but there, there's what I don't know what the incentive would be if they're not invested already. They're not betting on games or they're super fans or they're emotionally connected because of the city they live in. There's a whole lot of emotionally driven connection points in sports that new or up and coming brands simply don't have. But they can manufacture it, right? So if you go to somebody like, let's say, a base camp, mm -hmm. they love to manufacture controversy. And to act like they're not doing that is the cutest little thing I've ever seen. Because it's really obvious that they've got a shtick, right? And they just kind of play that over and over. You see people like Rome. I think it's the stupidest note thing I've ever seen in my life. But people have a cult emotional following to it, right? Like I do see some like Tesla. I don't know why people are compelled to wear Tesla hats or their Porsche jackets, but there's brands, right, that have built this. But it's hard for me to go into the B2B software world other than like Basecamp and see someone's so like, is there a way we could do it? You know, if we're here saying like, yeah, I get what you're saying. I know we're not superstars, but how do we build emotion for our brand? Like, how do we get people to care about us? You know? So I think that's a different question and I like that. So building emotion would be different than trying to recreate the barstool model simply because I think they're just they're just too different the way brands are connected. And for B2B and SaaS, um, I look at what how do you connect with me as, as a company, especially if you're a higher price point item, I don't want to feel just like a number, um, whether it's from a customer service perspective, if I follow those brands on social, I want to see I usually want to see deals, discounts, and interactions. I want to feel like a VIP, celebrated, engaged member. And um, there was a recent report Lee Oden did from Top Rank Marketing talking about the state of B2B influencer marketing. And there's still a huge deficiency in that area. And the number one key differentiator for successful programs were when they're always on. So if you're going to be working with influencers in that space and build up brands around people with, with currently engaged communities, it has to go long-term um, and can't have any uh, downtime for it to really work and resonate. So I have seen a lot of companies do some innovative influencer campaigns. And I know that term is, is highly overused, but subject like matter. Like they got a bunch of golfers or? What's that? Like, so they got a bunch, they sponsored a bunch of golfers or how can we think about influencer? Like, you know, or, B2B, yeah. it's like Phil Mickelson, right? Like that's the ultimate b2b influencer what's a different way we could look at so adobe does a great job with their influencer um okay. uh, campaign and they get b2b top level experts in industries around the world who have huge built-in followings in that space and they engage you know 20 to 50 people at any given time and so when they have a message to share it gets amplified and when we go to different adobe event events we will be the number one source of traffic referral amplification um wow. these massive moments in time um, but what they do is that influencer community I've already had at least 25 messages from them today and every day. People checking in, talking about people, caring about one another, celebrating birthdays, checking in on milestones, mental health. 
Um, and then offering the, the big key here is influencers in the group offering other influencers influential opportunities. So we all have different communities and spaces. Everyone's trying to help build one another up. And I always talk about how the best way to build your own influence is by building up others. And I think that's something brands can do a much better job of. I love that. Now, I've kind of been trying to think about PR through advertising. Um, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit before uh, around like Substack and that the most like famous journalists and creators of content are going to where they own their own audience, right? Like, and I see that as an amazing opportunity, but I don't see a lot of our clients doing it. Like podcast advertising has been some of the best return we've ever had at Directive. It's hard to sometimes make budget for once again, because the analytics and the way it works, but it does like you do generate a ton of buzz. What are some different ways we can think about getting our message out? Um, is that through newsletters, podcasts, or what are some ways we could do that? Number one, and you know, the scared, I probably don't have to say it and everyone listening is know where your um, customer is. But I, I see a lot of people pulling away from some of the biggest advertising names. I won't mention them out loud, but there are big opportunities in places like Quora, Product Hunt, Reddit, for evergreen promotional opportunities that, that are solely missed because people just go to the typical big two to three and miss out on those opportunities where they can really reach targeted groups of people conversing about a specific topic. Um, I mean, honestly, Quora is a huge missed opportunity because that's evergreen SEO and people are talking about very specific, um, asking very specific questions there. No, I love that. I think, you know, some people like Jason Lemkin, right, built their whole brand on Saster, right, only through yeah. being active on Quora, right? And so um, now, I just got my first LinkedIn Live, okay? And so I get to be on LinkedIn Live. So let's pretend I'm better at this than I am. And what would you, like, what kind of content, if we could have LinkedIn Live, we can go live. And let's say we had to do something a couple times a week and people are listening, right? And they want to be the next Dave Gerhardt or they want to be the next kind of B2B marketing SaaS type influencer, man or woman. What's a way we can start to like, build an audience, I guess, like with content that doesn't stink, you know, cause I see so many people just do this like weird, like gamification content. Like they're obviously trying to like beat the algorithm yeah. and it's kind of not like, how do we not like try to like be this viral algorithm person and still build an audience? You know what I'm saying? Like there's this weird thing going on. I feel like the best experts, the people that, that resonate the most are giving away as much as you can and you have to start, instead of thinking about the algorithm first, thinking about, um, without sounding cheesy, abundance. Um, that there's more than enough business, there's more than enough opportunity. So if you give away some of your industry knowledge, you're not going to spite yourself and lose business. But it's yeah. how can people listening, and it's almost exhausting. I do a weekly newsletter and I try to do one tip every week and I still get mentally exhausted. Like, what, what can I give that will help someone work better in digital PR or, uh, yeah you know, work better in general or get media placements or generate awareness. And if you start thinking about it from that perspective, it is a slow, steady race. And, you know, quantity does matter if you can keep producing more, but then the quality within that quantity better be really good. I love that. Now, what's interesting to me is a lot of times we want to build PR as these organizations, but we have no place 
to build a community around it. In other words, like we want to do PR, but if you go to our website, the only way to interact with us is to get a demo. So the concept of building a brand is completely neutered because unless someone's literally got their wallet out, there's no way for you to like deepen the connection. Like there's no like initial coffee date. It's like, Hey, let's jump in bed. Like that's legitimately like how people do PR. It's like, Oh, you heard about our brand jump in bed with me. It's not like, let's get coffee. Let's get to know each other. Let's see if our values align. Let's see if you and I maybe could have a, what your family's like. If we could, if we share, like how can brands go like courtship instead of just like trying to jump in bed with everybody and come to our website, get a demo. Like what can we do different? Such a good question. Um, Number one, I love when SaaS companies do launch in places like Product Hunt where I can get time asking questions with the founders. You can interact with people. You can look for communities of super users who really care about supporting and helping um, people as they launch. Once you're already you know, out there and live, um, I'd say one of my personal favorite tactics is free trial, no credit card required. Um, that tells me you really believe in your product. You're not trying to milk me for money right off the bat. And if I use it and like it, I can choose to pay. Um, I am now a big uh, Whoop user. And yeah. one thing I love about them, their, their marketing model, I have the, these coupons where I can get a free band and 30 days free. So they're essentially giving away their hardware to get people to use it and then getting you know those recurring monthly payments, which is beautiful. And that is really powerful to me because who gives away their product unless they truly believe it, knowing that you'll be locked in and want to stay after your 30 days is up. Um, yeah. And I think what that- crazy? I'm a Whoop user and I, I had to pause because I didn't like, I like to wear a watch and I don't like having to, I don't like to be double wristed, you know? Yeah. Like I feel like I got too much going on. So I moved over to Aura, but I hit Whoop up and I was like, hey, where do I return the bracelet? They're like, you keep that. We feel confident you're going to want to come back. And yes, I was like, that's such a great way to do it. Yeah. Like you're saying, keep the, they're like, we're going to give you this because we believe in it. So I only bring that up because I make notes of different brands as I interact with them on things that I really like that they're doing. So, you know, maybe it can be recreated elsewhere or I just start to, you know, keep track of who's doing what. So I'd say that's really powerful to believe in your product enough. You would give it away knowing that people will come back and, and pay for it. Yeah. No, one of the things we did, um, that actually worked. Like, you know how you have all your ideas and then like one out of a billion feel like they work. One of our ideas that actually worked was we launched a Slack group for SaaS marketers and we answer any question anyone ever has free of charge. So it's essentially pretty much like hiring us without us pushing any buttons. So people are literally in there like, how do I do offline conversion tracking? And how do I move my multi-attribution model? And we're answering all of it. And it's actually turned into a really cool community. Is there other ideas like that that maybe people like ours is a Slack group free of charge. And then I have all our top consultants in the group, like our top paid media people answering questions from the whole industry. Organic. And it's actually like taken off. We get New Year's every day, highly active, no spam. It's really cool. What can other like SaaS brands do that's similar in your mind? I've seen, um, I think that's an amazing model and I've seen things similar in the Facebook group side of things or private groups, you know, the same group concept. Um, Slack is great because people spend so much time there. They don't have to jump off to another browser page, you know, and, and uh, do that, which is great, but they'll do exclusive access to Facebook groups where they give um, content. So I'd say you hyper-targeted SaaS marketers. So it's very specific. You're solving a problem. What questions do you have? There's no money involved. So you're not trying to get anything it's just a give which is really powerful 
Um, so you can create that model in various ways, whether that's a weekly live stream where you're just giving away content. Maybe that's a private Facebook group invitation only. Um, I, I'd say use that as an idea to start from it and brainstorm. I'm totally have that uh, lunch fog brain right now. So I'm like, I, I've got nothing. I got no other idea. No, no, I love that. I love that. Well, you know, the last part I was thinking, was thinking about here, and I would love to hear feedback on is like events were a big part of PR, whether it's like pitching someone to speak, whether that's, you know, sponsoring, doing all this stuff. What do we need to be thinking about since like, for, like for me, right? I had 32 speaking gigs scheduled in 2020 and we had dinners around them. We had the whole thing and then it went poof, right? I had my first keynote and it all disappeared and I've done a couple digital events. It's not the same. Is there something that we can be doing different out there if it's, you know, we've got an organization that maybe we got a thought leader or events is a big part. Like a lot of these SaaS companies, field marketing, massive part of their budget. It was their way of interacting with customers, you know, meeting people, creating that. Is there a way to create that human connection that isn't cheesy and crappy that maybe you have? Uh, you know what? I'm blanking on the same. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, I just did awards for, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm looking. I'm going to have to send you the link to, to share after the show. But um, I did an award ceremony, and what was really cool was the software that they used allowed people to be seated at tables, so much like a conference, right? So we presented they had the content up, and then everyone who was there who was like kind of a VIP attendee, we went around and jumped in each of the tables. So teams were talking, we'd pop in and meet with them, and it was the best networking experience I've had in all of COVID. Um, and it was branded, you know, allowed people to watch a big screen when people were presenting. Ginger Z was the host. I mean, it was super cool. But then after everybody waited at their tables while networking happened and people jumped in. So you got moments with people at this event. And it wasn't just like a breakout group um, or a Zoom. I love that. Oh, that's so good. Well, in closing, I think what I'd love to hear is like, if someone's listening, they're like, okay, I'm inspired. I want to go out. I want to create more content. I'm ready to do this. What do you, should they write more? Should they do videos? Should they do a podcast? Like, is there like a basic recommendation on how to like get started? Like, should they one a week, twice a week? Like what's a good way for people to kind of like start to build this muscle of getting their brand themselves out there? Here's the tool. I'm going to just walk you through this really okay. quick. What I, yeah. I suggest creating. Um, I know creating a, editorial calendar can feel very overwhelming for people. So if you bro broke it down as simply as possible, create some sort of media and strategy calendar. It doesn't have to be daily, but include your story opportunities for the year and break them out into three to five areas. Um, maybe they're partnerships and integrations. Maybe you have a funding announcement coming up. Maybe you're going to produce reports on uh, different facts and then pr proactive and reactive story opportunities. Break them out by month or quarter and then outline what are your key messages by month. I know it seems a little complex, but it makes a huge difference because before you say I'm gonna do a podcast or a live stream, if you plan those key areas, you yeah. may find it's not in alignment. Maybe your key message that you're trying to get out isn't going to happen by doing a podcast. Maybe it's by doing a private invite only Slack group with your key audience. Um, so it helps you then put the tactics down by that. And then you just simply break it out by month in um, by quarter. And so you'll say, you know, in August, here's what, here's, here are the story opportunities we have coming up. 
here are the key messages we'd like to put forth out into the world to talk about our impact. And here's how we think we can best deliver them. And if that's, uh, maybe it's a limited series podcast. Great point, yeah. sir. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. This has been amazing, sir. So if anyone here is like, okay, I love what she's saying. I can't do it. I need help. Like, how can people get a hold of you? You can tweet me. That's my number one place. And my bio is also my business card. So it's at PR Sarah Evans with an H. And uh, I'm there almost all day. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much for hopping on the show. This has been amazing. Um, welcome us. Come back next week for more Sour and Sass. And uh, have a great week, everybody. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you.